We're studying in the book of Joshua, and we're chapter 9. And as we go through chapter by chapter in this book of Joshua, it's interesting to see this man, Joshua, who followed the leadership of Moses. And Moses was one of those bigger-than-life kind of personalities that, you, how do you follow Moses? And he f- had that, that same apprehension. In fact, in chapter 1 of Joshua, we're reminded that he was afraid and, and really tried to bail out on the call of God on his life. God, how can I do that? I'm afraid. What am I going to do? And God said, as I was with Moses, so will I be with you. I want that phrase to be a part of your life as well. As God was with Moses, so will he be with and fill your name in. He will be with you. See, God is a God who stays close to those whom he loves. And if you know him, he loves you, amen? In fact, if you don't know him, he loves you still, and he's trying to draw you into relationship with him. So as Joshua moves into the land, we're going to see him go up against a a strong city called Jericho. And there's a miracle of God where he circled Jericho, the walls fell down, and uh, it was a symbol of Canaanite worship. They worshiped the god Molech. And part of that worship was a sacrifice of children on an altar of fire. And God said, you have to wipe it out because if you allow false religion into your life, it's going to affect you and your children's children for generations to come. And there's always a need in our life to cut off false religion and idolatry in our life, not just for our benefit, not just for the benefit of the community, but for the benefit of our children's children. And so he tells him to do that, and they go in, and then they, they face a smaller city called Ai, and they were defeated in that, and yet God said, showed them what was wrong. They went back, and they were able to defeat Ai. Now we come to an interesting moment in the life of this nation. Because you see, what happened was they had success. They found some formulas that if they submitted to God, God would act on their behalf. But now we find the enemy coming within and them embracing a group called the Gibeonites. And the Gibeonites were deceptive, and they'd heard about all that had been happening with the the God of Israel, and and they were actually fearful of, of what happened, and they said, if we don't deceive them, they will kill us. So we're going to deceive them. We're gonna pretend to be traveling a long distance and not know about them and ask for them to make a covenant with them. Now, in the Bible, when you make a covenant, it is binding. When you make a vow, it is binding. And they knew enough about the God of the Bible to do that. So we're gonna pick up the story and we're gonna see the opposition that we can always expect. You see, if you, if you go into life expecting you're not going to be opposed, then you're really missing out on life, aren't you? Because that's what life is. It is a challenge. Jesus said, in this world, you will, there's a promise, have tribulations. But then he went on to say, but be of good cheer, for why? I've overcome the world. So even though you're going through it, don't worry, I've, over, I've overcome the world. Greater is he that is in you, the Bible says, than he that is in the world. So if you travel with the confidence based on the word of God, you're going to be okay. Doesn't mean it's always gonna be easy. Doesn't mean it won't be a challenge, but you're gonna be okay. You're gonna thrive when you shouldn't thrive because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world, amen? 
So let's look at Joshua chapter nine, verses one and two. And it came to pass when all the kings were on this side of the Jordan in the hills and in the lowland and all the coasts of the great sea toward Lebanon, the Hittite, the Amorite, the Canaanite, the Perizzite, the Hivite, the Jebusite, Mosquitoite. No, he wasn't there. (laughs) When they heard about it, that they gathered together to fight with Joshua and Israel in one accord. So what they said was, all the enemies of God gathered together and they said, if we band together, we can defeat God. Now I want you to make a note to look at some time into Psalm chapter two. Because in Psalm chapter two, it talks about a great battle that's going to ensue at the end of the age. We know it as the Battle of Armageddon. But there it says, all the kings of the earth, they assemble themselves against the Lord and against his anointed. And they say, let us break the bonds that hold us back. And God responds in his own way. He says, he who sits in the heavens shall laugh when he brings them to derision. So I bring that up in this passage. And if, you're, if you have a, a physical Bible or something you can take notes on, I would put down right next to this verse 2, Psalm chapter 2. Because it's a parallel. It tells you something about the future. This is what kings do. They want power and they oppose God. And the more they oppose God, the more power they think they have, and then they begin to act like God. We've had a bit of a taste of that in our own state, of a governor who thought he was God, who thought he could close down the church. And yet, thank God, he's not God, and we don't bow to Caesar. We only bow to God, amen? See, the conflict we're in is really a spiritual conflict. A lot of times we think the battle is against a physical governor, president, Congress, Senate, the enemy somewhere around the world, whoever you want to identify. But ultimately, every battle you face will be a spiritual battle. You have to be able to see behind the scene what's going on in the conflict you're fighting. Otherwise, you're gonna be doing battle with every physical force you find, and you're going to be frustrated because that's not where the battle is. Let me take you to Ephesians chapter six, verses 10 through 12, and read to you what it says about this battle. It says, finally, brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. You see, it doesn't say be strong. It doesn't say be courageous here. It says be strong, where? In the Lord and in his power, the power of his might, not your might. You see, you're you're pretty strong and you're pretty mighty in your own way, You're pretty tenacious, you're pretty courageous in your own way, but that only goes so far. What you have to realize, unless you're strong in the Lord and the power of his might, you're going to fail. And the Bible goes on to say, put on the whole armor of God. What does that mean? That means protect every aspect of your life. Don't let some place for the enemy to get in. You see, sometimes we've got most of our life protected, but not all of our life protected. And why do we do that? That you might be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. What are the wiles? Well, those are his strategies. Those are the ways he gets in. Do you know he knows you better than you probably know you? He's been watching you and your family traits for generations. He knows the weaknesses in your life. He knows when to tempt, when to attack, what to do. What you have to do is say, I'm not going to let him get in I'm not gonna let his strategies work. I'm gonna be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. I'm gonna put on the full armor of God. Why? For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. 
You see, we're not wrestling with flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, against rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Now, what are heavenly places? That's the, that's the spiritual atmosphere that you live in. We live in a physical atmosphere. We understand that. We also live in a spiritual atmosphere, and that spiritual atmosphere contains invisible, evil spirits and good angels. And sometimes you go, why did I think that? Have you ever had those moments? Where did that thought come from? And it was so random, you just go like, well, I would never think that. And yet you, you realize that there is a spiritual battle going on. People say, I wish we could see that. I don't want to see that. <laughs> right? I, I don't want to know. I just want to walk in the power of God. And sometimes we get so fixated with evil that we don't see good. Fixate on God. God is all-powerful, almighty. He's in control. Even when you think that he's not working in your world, he's working in your world. God works out all things to the good. To whom? To those who are called, who love God are called according to his purpose. Just stay in that lane and, and drive in that lane all the time. I'm gonna love God and I'm gonna be called according to his purpose. Why? Because there are spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places trying to take me down. You say, well, why would they take me down? I'm not that significant. I'm, I don't have a big position. I don't have a lot of things going on. You might not understand the full decree of your influence over someone, either in your family or where you work or who you will associate with, who God may be raising up to make a big impact in the world. You see, don't think about you. Think about everyone else for a moment. Think about what could I do if I would just live faithfully before God? You know, I love Psalm 37. Most people like to jump to the verse that says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Everybody loves that verse, amen? All right, but what does it say before that? It says, dwell on the land, cultivate righteousness, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Dwell in the land, what does that mean? Create stability in your life. Don't be always flipping around trying to find the newest thing, the latest thing. Cultivate, cultivate righteousness. You ever cultivated something? You ever, you ever had a garden, you had to cultivate it? You know what that means? That means you've got to work it. You've got to weed it, you've got to fertilize it, you've got to water it, you've got you to drive off the insects, you've got to do everything. That's what your life is like. It's like it's insect prone. And the insects are demonic spirits that are trying to bring you down. It's, a, it's the world, the flesh, the devil that wants to come up against you and destroy you. And what you have to do is go, no, I'm gonna cultivate righteousness every day of my life. How do I do that? God, I messed up, forgive me. I read the word. God, thank you for your word. Holy Spirit, fill me. You see, I cultivate righteousness in my life. You see, the enemy resists the purposes of God. You see, God has a purpose for every person in this, in this room for their life. You say, well, I don't know what it is. It's okay that you don't know. It's not okay that you never find out. Right, amen? It's important that you know that God has a purpose for you. That you don't, you're not just random. You're not just here because of biology. That God has a reason for you to be on planet Earth. 
And God wants that purpose to, be, to come to fruition so that not only are you blessed and happy, but other people around you are blessed and happy too. And that you make a difference in the world. I wanna talk to you a little bit, just kind of pause and talk a little bit about the American Faith Gala that's coming up. And um, we really, really believe that we take advantage of the opportunities that God gives us. And, and part of the way that we do that is we say, what is God leading us to do? And we have a gala coming up with Dennis Prager on April 10th. And uh, I think there's about nine tables left out of like 40 tables, 49 tables. And if you wanna come and be a part of that, you can go outside and see about that. But, but I, I really believe that these are ways that you can leverage yourself in. It's so good to, we have young interns now that are coming in uh, in their 20s and they wanna be a part, they wanna make a difference in the world because they realize that freedom is never free. You see, if you look at Joshua, what do you have to do? He had to battle. He had to battle in his own world. Guess what, you have to battle in your world. But you do it in the power of the Lord and the strength of his might, amen? You see, what happens in the story of Joshua is there's a group called the, Gide- uh, the Gibeonites, and they come in and they disguise themselves. Let's see, let's see what their craft is. Deception is the craft of the enemy. You ever been deceived? You ever been fooled? You ever been tricked? We all have. We've probably done some tricking and some fooling and some deceiving in our lifetime, amen? Do you know the Bible says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked? You know that word, the heart is deceitful, that word deceitful is literally the word Jacob. Remember the biblical character Jacob? It literally, his name was literally meant deceit. How'd you like to have a boy named Deceit? What's your name, Deceit? Well, that's not good. And so deceptive was him that God had to rattle him, change him, and he touched his thigh even, and he was lame from that day forward. He literally walked with a limp because he contended with God, and God said, now you understand what it means to submit to God. You're no longer called Jacob. You shall now be called Israel, and that's where the name Israel came from. Israel means a prince with God. You realize when you are touched by God, you move from deceitful heart to a prince, to a princess? Do you feel like a prince? Do you feel like a princess? Not me, but you are. In fact, the Bible says we're kings. We're kings and priests in the kingdom. God says we are a royal diadem in the hand of our God. Think about that. You ever had a big diamond in your hand? Well, how about a small one? All right. Ever had a small diamond in your hand? And you you look at it on your finger. You say, I'd lay an upgrade. Ladies, right now it's time to nudge your husband for an upgrade. But you have them, you look at it, and you go every, and you, you move it around, and every facet of it takes on a different dimension. Do you realize that what God says about you? You're like, a, you're like a precious stone in his hand, and every time he moves you, he sees another dimension of glory. Isn't that great? The Bible says we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. You know the word workmanship is a word in the Greek, poema. It's where we get our word poem. You know what a poem is? It's noted for lyrical beauty and structural perfection. And if you've ever written poetry, you know it's line upon line, line upon line, and you get it to where it looks right and it sounds right. That's what makes a great poem. Now, a lot of you don't know I'm a poet. Why are you laughing? (laughs) In fact, I'm gonna give you one of my poems from third grade. Are you ready? How many of you wanna hear this poem? 
Well, the rest of you are just going to have to endure. <laughs> so my third grade poem was about my cat named Tom who didn't like me. But I still wrote a good poem about Tom. I have a cat who likes to climb trees. He likes to sit in the cool, cool breeze. He thinks one day he'll catch a sparrow. He doesn't know, but his chances are mighty narrow. That's about as good, as deep as it gets, amen? There's actually another line, but I'm gonna save that one for another time. Joshua, chapter nine, verses three and six. But when the inhabitants of Gibeon heard what Joshua had done to Jericho and Ai, now look at what it says here. They worked craftily and went and pretended to be ambassadors. And they took old sacks on their donkeys, old wineskins torn and mended, old and patched sandals on their feet, old garments on themselves, and all the bread of their provision was dry and moldy. And they went to Joshua to the camp of Gilgal. And they said to him and to the men of Israel, we have come from a far country, now therefore make a covenant with us. So you see what they're doing. The only way they can avoid facing Israel as a, in conflict is to lie and to deceive. Do you know that sometimes when your motive is wrong, God even uses it for good? Did you know that? You see, sometimes we cut people off because we think, well, you know, what, what about them? Well, what about you? You know, have you ever noticed how you judge other people's sin that's not yours, but you want mercy from the sins that are yours? I mean, there's nothing, there's nothing worse than all the sins that I don't do. Hello, do you know what I'm talking about? You say, well, I can't, I'd never do that. No, you wouldn't, but you do that. You see, God wants us to understand the way that he works is through the redemptive process, and we're gonna see that. Look at, look at Joshua chapter nine, verses 14 and 15. They did not ask counsel of the Lord. What went wrong with Israel? First thing went wrong, they did not ask the counsel of the Lord. Have you ever made a decision without count, taking counsel of the Lord? Or you heard his voice and you ignored it because you wanted something, you wanted that new job, you wanted that move, you wanted, you wanted, you wanted, you wanted, and you didn't listen to God. Then you got in it and you found out the grass was greener, but then you got the water bill. You said, what, I didn't sign up for this, what happened here? So Joshua made peace with them. See, he didn't listen to God. He made peace with them and made a covenant with them to let them live, and the rulers of the congregation swore to them. Now, do you notice what it says here? They made a covenant, and they swore they would not kill them. Do you know that that covenant would be in place even into the kingdom of David when one of the enemies was a Gibeonite, and he could not deal with him unruly because, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a way of, of judge, uh, judgment because of this covenant. That covenant stayed in place. When you make a vow to God, that vow is, is sure, is solid. God listens to you. That's why Ecclesiastes says, don't make them lightly. Don't make a commitment. That's why Jesus said, let your yes be yes, your no be no. If you tell somebody yes, then let it be a yes. It's the old, it's the old adage of, you know, my, my word is my bond. Let's shake on it. Whether you have a contract or not, if your word is good, then stick to your word and don't give up on that. So they made two mistakes. Number one, they did not consult with God, and number two, they formed an unholy alliance. This is what goes wrong many times in businesses. People say, well, I can't believe this guy did this. He was my business partner. Well, it, was, it might have been an unholy alliance. 
And what you did was you, you connected up with someone whose mindset was totally different, was not sensitive to God. You say, well, they said they were a Christian. You know, a lot of people say they're Christians. That doesn't make them a Christian. You've got to look at it in marriage, in relationship, in every dimension of your life, and ask this question, is this a holy alliance or an unholy alliance? Did I consult with God or not? Did I ignore God because I wanted something so bad? I wanted to believe something so bad. And usually we bypass these two things because we get in our mind either the lust of the eye, the lust of flesh, or the pride of life, one of those three things. I want it, I've gotta have it, I want everybody to see that I have it. That always gets us in trouble. In fact, every sin falls into those three categories. Lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. I love it when it gets quiet. <laughs> Colossians chapter two, verse eight, one of my favorite verses. Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit. You see, cheat me, what does that mean? Take from you something that's yours by what? By the means of philosophy, okay? You know what the word philosophy is if you translate it out? It means the love of knowledge that I love knowledge. And sometimes we get so puffed up in our knowledge that we miss out on what God's doing. And then it's empty deceit. The word deceit is literally a word that means to bait a hook to catch a fish. So they come to me and they tell me all the, oh my God, you gotta do this, you gotta do this, you gotta do this. And by the way, one way you can detect the voice of Satan from the voice of God is God never nags. Satan always does. Hurry, you gotta do this. You gotta act quick. This is an opportunity of a lifetime. How many, got, how many times have you done something stupid because it was an opportunity of a lifetime? Right? Right? How many times have you bought a car because it was an opportunity of a lifetime and go, why did I buy this car? I had a Buick like that. Demon-possessed Buick. <laughs> I'm not lying. I'm not lying. We bought this car and we'd be driving down the road and the back windows would just go up trunk could fly open. One time our son was sticking his head out and the window came up. I, he thought I was trying to kill him. I wasn't trying. The car was demon, but I finally got rid of the car. So I'm trading it in. Went and got another car. The guy said, it got, made the deal. The guy says, it's been a pretty good car. He says, demon possessed. The guy looked at me like, what? I said, yes, demon possessed. I mean, these weird things happen. Put this thing on the auction. Get it out of here as quick as you can. They're going to make a movie about this car. Empty deceit. According what? Now look, how do they do this? According to the traditions of men. According to the traditions of men, according to the basic principles of the world and not according to Christ. So you see what they do is they operate, well, this is how we've always done it. That doesn't mean it's right or good or you should be sucked into it. It says the basic principles of the world, that means the ABCs. These are just, these are what kids do. Don't stay out of the kid world when it comes to adult decisions. You're not five years old walking down a cereal aisle. You're a grown man, a grown woman. Act like it in decision making. Seek the Lord. Do not, do not avoid his counsel and do not form unholy alliances with people. You're gonna work with unholy people in, in terms of customer, client, all that kind of stuff, but do not form an alliance, a business alliance with unholy people. You're going to go down. I guarantee you, sooner or later, it's going to bite you. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse three. I fear lest someone, somehow, 
as the serpent deceived Eve by his what? There it is again, craftiness. So your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. You realize that when you think, when you have a Christ mindset, everything is really simple. You just, you, I know what to do. I know what to act, how to act, how to live. I know this. In fact, in most cases, you don't even have to pray. Because you're walking the Spirit of God and you have, you have this connection with God and he's, just, he's confirming things in your heart because you're, you're not having to access God because you've neglected him for a week. You've been walking in the Spirit of God and the Spirit of God is giving you little, little tidbits of wisdom all along your life's journey. And so when an opportunity comes, you go, you know, I feel really good about this. I'm going to confirm it in prayer. I'm going to seek wise counsel. I'm going to look in the Word of God, make sure it doesn't violate anything. But I feel really pretty strong about this one. Or you have a check in your spirit. Go, I don't know, there's something doesn't feel right about this one. If you have that, there's a good biblical idea for this. Run. <laughs> you know, you know, I ask guys this all the time. I said, how many times do you think your gut instincts are right? And they'll, they'll kind of smile and they go, oh, I, probably 90% of the time. And I say, you don't believe that. And they go, what do you mean? I said, you, you, it's 100%, isn't it? They go, it is. Then why do you bypass what you know works? Why do you bypass the word of God or the Holy Spirit when you know it works? Trust in the Lord with all your heart, right? Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And what do you do? He'll make your path straight, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. If I don't do that, I'm gonna have some crooked paths. I'm going down the wrong road, and that's gonna end a problem. Watch this. Redemption is guaranteed by God. You know what redeem means? God buys you back. God can redeem you. You say, well, I messed up. Well, God can fix that. Well, you, you just can't believe what I did. Well, no, tell me, but it's probably amateur from what I've heard. <laughs> I mean, I, I can't believe the guy said, well, I, I just can't go to church. You can't believe what I did. And they'll tell me. I go, well, I got, got like half our congregations on that one. <laughs> Don't worry, I'm not writing a tell-all book. Redemption is guaranteed. Look at, look at Joshua chapter nine, verse nine. Your servants have come because of the name of the Lord your God. The Gibeonites who were deceitful said, your servants have come because of the name of the Lord your God. We have heard of his fame and all that he did in Egypt. I don't know about you, I just got some goosebumps on that one. Here they were, living on the other side of the Jordan, and all the way down to Egypt, the fame of God had spread, and they heard about the parting of the Red Sea. Look at this. Joshua chapter 9, verse 25. Here we are in your hands. You see this submissive attitude? Do with us as it seems good and right. And that day, Joshua made them woodcutters and wood water carriers. So this sounds like a bad job. Keep reading for the congregation and for the altar of the Lord. When they burned the fire on the altar unto the Lord, which was the burnt offering for sin, it was the Gibeonites who had the privilege of serving the altar of God. You see, God can even take a deceitful person and use him for his glory. Amen? I think we can all attest to that. In the place which he would choose, even to this day. You see, the fear of the Lord brings life to us. 
Listen to what it says in Proverbs 1.7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. This is not the kind of fear that you cowl and you run away from. This is the kind of respect for God. It says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. They turn away from that. If you, if you get nothing out of today other than God, I want to just, I want to respect you and honor you as God. I want to operate in the fear of the Lord. And he says, that's good. That's the beginning of knowledge. That's the beginning of knowledge. You see, the love of the Lord brings joy. I love this, Psalm 84. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand. I would rather be the doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. Think about the Gibeonites in light of that scripture. They said, I would rather be a servant in the house of God than dwell over there in safety in the tents of wickedness. You see, even if there were degrees in the kingdom, even if there were degrees in the kingdom, even the lowest responsibility, the lowest job is the greatest honor that man can have because he serves God. He serves God. Let me give you some life applications here this morning. Number one is this one. Assume that the battle is spiritual. If you're in a battle right now, just assume it's spiritual. Don't contend in the flesh. Assume it's spiritual. Secondly, do not form an unholy alliance. If you have one formed, try to get out of it. Try to get out of it. And number three, extend grace and love to everyone you meet. Guess what? Regardless what's coming across in that demeanor, in that attitude, whatever's coming across, do you realize that they are made in the image of God? Think of that. Even the worst. You know what I've had to do, and this really helps. Maybe it'll help you too. When somebody's really upset and acting obnoxious, I try to see him as a five-year-old. I go, okay, well, they're acting like they're acting immature. They're acting like a five-year-old. How would I deal with a five-year-old? I don't put up my fist and fight a five-year-old. Choose them to a fight. Hey, let's go outside, five-year-old. I can take you. What do I do? I find a way to meet the need in their life. Because what they're doing is they're acting out because there's an unmet need in their life that they can't recognize and they don't see. It might be they're undervalued. It might they've been diminished, they've been hurt, something's going on in their life. But if you will see them differently as a child, you'll say, how do I minister to children? How do I love children? How do I bring them in to a relationship with God? God will use you in a great way that way. Amen? Let's stand together. Would you bow your heads and just pray with me before we sing? I want you to, to, to take and ask the Holy Spirit this morning to make an application from something that you heard, something he spoke to you during this message, during the worship, and say, Holy Spirit of God, just you can pray this prayer out loud or quietly, just pray it out loud. Lord Jesus, would you make an application from this message, from this day, that my life might be better that you might be blessed of me, that others might be blessed, that I might be walking faithfully in the kingdom for your glory and your honor. 
And if that was your prayer, thank him for the application he's giving you. Right now, how does Holy Spirit speak? He speaks in your heart of hearts, speaks in your mind. He speaks through messengers. Just say, I think I heard. I think I know what God wants me to do. I think I see the application in my life. Amen.